You're listening to Life, the Universe, and Everything Else. Today on the show, or should I say tonight on the show, A Night at the Creation Museum. Life, the Universe, and Everything Else explores the intersection of science and society. Original music is produced by Ian James, and this episode was edited by Marissa McCool. Find her on Patreon at patreon.com slash QAF. My name is Jen Newman, and with me today I have... Lauren Bailey. Hi. Ashlyn Noble. Hello. Dave Bonwick. Hello. And Laura Creek Newman. Hi there. So we've just watched a masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> we watched the Kent Hovind is no longer in charge. Eric. We watched Eric Hovind's Night at the Creation Museum, which was a breezy 35 minutes, including credits, opening monologue and closing monologue. <laughs> I would say sermon more than monologue. Okay, uh-huh. sure. Yeah. Did that also include the trailer for the next one? Oh, yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so maybe 25 minutes of actual content. <laughs> it felt so much longer. <laughs> well, okay, let's cut him some slack. It was filmed over 24 hours on an iPhone. <laughs> and it looks it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, good job with the phone. Yeah, yes. Phones have come a long way. <laughs> So this film, obviously, is a, I guess, parody inspired by homage to Night at the Museum, the classic Ben Stiller, Robin Williams. I can't call it a classic. (laughs) What am I doing? It's well known. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's well known for its cultural sensitivity and historical representation. Uh Uh-huh. We watched it this afternoon. First time for me. Ooh, yeah. Teddy Roosevelt. No thanks. (laughs) Anywho, this film is loosely patterned after Night at the Museum. Our protagonist, it opens with our protagonist, Eric Hovind, playing Derek. Charlie, this is Ponytail Derek. The new night guard at the Creation Museum. As he pulls up in his banana yellow sports car, I guess it, it... it, it was a Camaro. All right, that's a sports car. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was being more specific. I okay. am being more specific. Right, fine. <laughs> I, I was thinking, wow, being a security guard at a third-rate religious museum must pay very well. And then I remembered, oh no, this is Kent Hovind's son. Tax evasion pays very well. <laughs> <laughs> I think allegedly. He, he, <laughs> no, no, he was convicted. He's convicted. <laughs> he's in prison. Kent was convicted. Eric okay, hasn't oh, been. right, right. Okay, fair. Sure. They got all the money back. Jen, remember, we can't afford to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think the most recent charge was actually domestic assault. Yeah. For, oh no. Uh, for Kent Hovind. Oof. Anyway, all right. He gets into the museum. He gets into the museum. <laughs> And the docent, the the guy in charge, is like, yo, do not fall asleep, whatever you do. So we know, obviously, that's immediately going to happen. Right. The first thing he does is, I guess, I guess like, make some jokes on, the, on the, the PA system, and then spins around in his chair a bit, wanders about, forgets what Lucy's name is, I think calls her Dexter or something yeah. like Goes that. Goes through too many D names and then settles on Dexter. But then shortens it later. I assume the script was also written in that 24-hour period. <laughs> That's we, also the name of the monkey from Night yeah, the Museum. Yeah. We, oh, we did skip okay. I gotcha. the extensive training routine he had to go through to become a security guard here. Oh, right. A- a- Ashlyn said that it was almost as thorough as the training <laughs> they received when they worked at... Local amusement park. The local amusement park. Thank you. There are technically several amusement parks in our vicinity. <laughs> you all know which one we yeah. mean. <laughs> Would you like to explain the, the, the thorough training that you got? Yeah, so I worked at a uh, local amusement park <laughs> when I was maybe 15. And the training for how to operate the rides, which were like legit rides, people, children go in them and they go around on tracks and... and There's like one of those swinging boats that like goes really high. That wasn't there at the time, but anyway. But the training was gather around everyone, 
Here are the buttons. This one is start. Okay. It will stop on its own. If someone is crying though, and you really need to stop it and they won't stop, here's a stop button. <laughs> End of training. <laughs> start, Woo! stop, make sure they're not crying. That's all they care about. My childhood has a whole different flavor now. Right? I was, because I, I went there all the time as a kid. Yeah. And after that, I was like, wow, I'm so surprised nobody's died. <laughs> Oh, man. It would have been a lot more fun if we'd spent the evening watching Action Park. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) That's okay. This was not as unenjoyable as I expected. Sure. Anyway, there was extensive training, and then he did some typical running around the museum. Yeah. Yeah, they they made a lot of, hey, out of you have to follow every single item on this list, which is just a reference to the museum. But then, of course... That list never came up again. He, he's carrying it with him, but they don't, they imply it, but they don't make enough of a deal I mean, about it's it. It's never useful. Like, he never no. consults it for the answer to any of his questions. The answers are in Genesis, actually. <laughs> oh, that would have been so much better if he looked down at the list and it just said the answers are in Genesis. And then he's like, oh! I have been a script doctor. I could, I... Lauren, I think you need to call them up at creation today. (laughs) Would they pay me in sports cards? (laughs) Okay, so Derek makes some funny jokes about how nobody, he, he, I guess, didn't realize that this was a creation museum, despite the fact that it is called literally the creation museum. And he realizes as he's there overnight that the people who run this museum don't believe in science. Haven't they ever heard of evolution, etc.? And then he, he is such a good straw man for. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, and then he falls asleep, and then he took a nap. He took a nap. He took, oh, sorry. Yes, very different. Very important difference. And then he wakes up. Obviously, he's not awake. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and he finds the museum is. I don't know. There's a weird noise or something that he goes to investigate. There's not really Is anything. This when the Jumanji drums happened. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For a really long time. Yeah, and very little happened. He run. He runs into a room with a bunch of bugs and display cases and goes. Ah! <laughs> bug. that was, ah! Well, that was that was later. Because first he's or no 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 sorry yeah he does this twice with different. <laughs> I was thinking of the part where he just kept gawking at the Adam and Eve scenes uh, in the darkened oh, yeah, jungle. Oh, yeah. Despite having a child, he's never seen a nude person. <laughs> we, we know they, they make it clear that he's not that involved in his child's life anymore. So, of course, he, he's, I guess, being separated from his, from his wife. This it's is his backstory. It's complicated, right. And so he then runs back into the guy who is training him, who this guy walks him through the, the real story of creation, which, is, of course, is a young Earth creationist museum. He tries to poke some holes in the fossil record. Whenever anybody tries to tell me that they believe it took place in seven days, I reach for a fossil and go, fossil. Explains how Lucy is, of course, Australopithecus afarensis, which means South African ape. We're just going to go, like, dictionary definition here. And they talked about how the bones in her feet were very more ape-like than human. Well, they said specifically, like, she's often depicted as having human, human-like feet because they didn't actually have feet when they found the bones. There aren't any foot bones, so we don't know, but they're probably more likely ape. Uh. And then they show different fur patterns, but of course fur is not fossilized. They say, oh, they just make her look human when they show her using fur patterns, but actually you could also show fur patterns that make her look like a monkey. And of course, there's not a lot of differentiation made between monkeys and apes, which uh, annoys pedants like me. Um, <laughs> oh, he was so mad. <laughs> and then, what else did they tell us? Into the Holocaust Hall, right? Oh yeah, the Holocaust Hall. Why is there evil <laughs> if there's a, if there's a good God? And we the, learn that they see on the the wall it says read Romans eight twenty to twenty two, which I have put here in my notes. Please. Okay, for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that, 21, creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Why was this on the wall? I would love to hear their... Was it by the Adam and Eve stuff? No, this was in the the Hall of Human Suffering. Yes, this was right above... This was what was printed above the woman who was shooting herself up in the arm. 
Because, because, because Satan. Could it be Satan? Is, is why there's evil. So Satan is responsible for Derek's mother dying of cancer. But they make it clear that since the wages of sin are death and we are all sinners. Oh, no, this was in the the af- the, the, uh, the epilogue, right? Yeah. The, the sermon afterward. Excuse me. Wages of sin. Getting back to the, act- the actual plot. They, they go. They, they poke another few holes in evolutionary theory. Try. They, tr- they try. <laughs> right. Oh, they go into the hall of like starlight. Where they say, or Derek, as our science straw man, says, well, if all of these stars are millions of light years away, then how could their light reach us if the universe is only 6,000 years old? Which is one of the classic questions for a young Earth creationist. And a new guy who appears there. No explanation. The the third member of the cast, who is suddenly there, (laughs) says... That doctor... Does have his ID on. Uh, Dr. Faulkner. Faulkner. Professor yeah. Faulkner. And is clearly labeled in the uh, at the end credits as himself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he, he says, well, that's a good question. And then fails to answer it. <laughs> he says, there are lots of possible explanations. He doesn't, he doesn't bring up my favorite one. My favorite explanation that I've heard from creationists is, of course, that sure, these stars are millions of light years away, but the light from those stars was created in transit. (laughs) My notes from this section say the Big Bang Theory was a miracle, or has a miracle of itself. Turn on a fill light, my dudes. (laughs) (laughs) The lighting is so bad. (laughs) The problem is creation itself. If you believe that God created the universe, you will see that this makes sense. And then, this is Gish Gallop. Those are my notes for this section. It, it It was wild. And it was it's not that he failed to answer the questions. It's that he but he, did. he decided to walk down a totally different hallway in those questions and say, don't worry about those questions. You don't need them because if you believe in creationism, nothing else matters. Yeah, he, he basically says, there are a bunch of possible explanations. I don't know. But what you should really be asking is, since the Big Bang also requires a miracle... At least the creation story has both a miracle and a miracle maker. Yeah. Yeah. But they need a miracle and no miracle maker. Therefore, our explanation makes more sense. <laughs> right, because how could you have a miracle without a miracle maker? So, uh, gotcha. uh, uh. <laughs> They go on at great length in several cases about how scientists don't really understand how X works. Right. We're not talking about the site formerly known as Twitter. We're talking about fill in the blank. Excuse me. <laughs> or MDMA, if you're old like me. Yeah, right. <laughs> Scientists don't know how Y works. Um, <laughs> and we're not talking about farming. <laughs> Internet thing. Yahoo. We <laughs> <laughs> that was a mistake. <laughs> okay. Scientists don't know how whatever fill in the blanks works. And yet they believe it anyway. <laughs> but yeah. that's, that's not actually true. <laughs> Scientists will provide hypothetical explanations for, for phenomena that they observe. They, they'll observe a phenomenon, and then they'll say, we don't know what the answer is. Here are some possibilities, or this is the possibility space we're exploring. But they will never say, you must be, take one of these hypotheticals and believe it dogmatically. <laughs> They'll say, this is our leading explanation for these reasons. Prove me wrong. Yeah, exactly. And then this starlight sequence ends with him being slapped by a teddy bear repeatedly, which I think is another reference to Night in the Museum. I I think I fell asleep when we watched that movie with the kids. And then... Then it uh, turned into the best movie ever. Right. (laughs) Where he is now back at the front desk. No, no. He's in the backstage. Oh, right. I'm sorry. I missed that part. And a dinosaur suit comes around the corner. (laughs) And I wrote, there's now a dino suit. This is the best movie ever. (laughs) So their special effects budget was not large. And so they had a guy in what looked like, what was that spitting dinosaur from Jurassic Park? Looked like Mm -hmm. one of those. One of these. Yeah. Compasseplosaurus. The two of you, the way that your brains work, I just can't every time. Yeah, I had the fan. Yeah. Yeah, It was the one with, like, like the Jesus Christ lizard. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sure. So anyway, this... 
this guy in a dino suit comes stomping past, and he's like, ah! And run, runs away. And then there was a three beat. Then, and then there was another six beat. And then there was the jump scare. Yeah, the jump scare was not timed correctly. I think they may have padded the jump scare for time. <laughs> <laughs> because that's exactly where you want to put in your fill. <laughs> he he sees a bunch of the other dinosaurs that are not animated in the yeah. museum. This is the, the repeat of the bug sequence, where earlier he was screaming at bugs that were not moving in cases, and now he's screaming at stationary dinosaur fossils. That Named are, Ebenezer. You know, yes. Not doing anything threatening at all. No. No. No, there was a lot of him getting freaked out by stuff that was Which very mundane. Yeah. yeah. And then Tim Jaffe shows back up. Yeah. <laughs> the scariest guy. <laughs> the tall guy. And they, they return to the front desk where they see his lifeless sleeping body. And he realizes that he it's all been a dream. And he says, well, I guess I wake up now. And Tim Jaffe says, not so fast. I'm not. I'm not letting <laughs> so you wake up ominous. until you accept Jesus. Basically, well, it was, yeah, you have to make a choice. <laughs> there was yeah. the whole David and Goliath sequence, right? How because yeah. the name David and the name Goliath existed, that means the story existed, right? Yeah. Sorry, I, I skimmed over some of the biblical archaeology yeah. that they focused on. The biblical archaeology. The biblical archaeology section I did think was fun because it was just so over-the-top ridiculous. Like, I feel like your average 10-year-old could put some holes in the arguments there. But there's a potsherd, Ashlyn. <laughs> a potsherd. What I was hoping to do was just kind of get to the end of the story, and then oh, we can sorry. go back and, like, yeah. pick at the various things that we thought were silly. We don't... We can't do that. We can't do that. Okay, so let's talk <laughs> biblical archaeology. <laughs> yeah, just as we were saying, the they yelled about how... Well, the skeptics will tell you that because th these people didn't exist and... We just made them up, but actually, we have evidence that people named David and also people named Goliath lived 150 years after the story. Yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> there was, there was, he actually went into some smarmy detail about how skeptics will claim that all of these stories were ri just written down or made up hundreds of years after the fact. But, two minutes pass, we have evidence from only 150 years after these stories, that uh, there was some record of some king named David. The House of The David. House of David. Yeah, not even Probably a, a guy king. named David who attacked a, a bigger guy. Just the House, House of David existed. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fine. I mean, the fact that some of these stories might have historical antecedents in no way invalidates the criticism that we have no reason to believe these things happened the way... Sure. Th th <laughs> it's just ridiculous for them to say that our evidence is bad, and then they present equally bad evidence. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, not equally bad. Come on. Like, so, so much worse. We've got a guy named David sitting right here, and sometimes he fights guys who are bigger than him. <laughs> <laughs> Bible tale come to life, really. <laughs> He's never used a slingshot, though, in an SCA battle. No. So, <laughs> we, we now discover... As we have the sleeping corpse of Derek and then the, the living sleeping Derek in front of us. Napping. That, <laughs> napping, excuse me. We now discover that the Lurch? What's the guy's name? <laughs> Tim Diesel oh, analog. Yes, Tim, Tim Jaffe. The tall guy, Tim Jaffe. Yeah. Tim Jaffe. Oh, yeah. Sorry, they make a joke about him supposed to be being Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, or, oh yeah. yeah. In the beginning they tall. have a whole bit about... Yeah. I just think it's important to point out how... <laughs> Anyway, we discover that he has some knowledge or insight that if Derek would just accept Christ and creation into his life and start believing in biblical literalism and maybe grab a few books from the gift shop to For give his to his son, yeah. it would <laughs> save his marriage and save him from being a deadbeat dad. And, also and a movie. Oh, yeah, he also gets a DVD of the, the, the 3D Genesis experience or something. 3D DVD, that is him. Oof! <laughs> Gift shop was the best appointed part of the entire museum. <laughs> and then he decides to wake up and accept Kent Hovind as his lord and savior. <laughs> Excuse me, this is the Creation Museum, Ken Ham. <laughs> <laughs> and then he discovers, I guess, that his next job will be guarding Noah's Ark. The Ark Encounter. The Ark Encounter has a lot of lumber going on, I gotta say. It's very pretty in there, mm -hmm. based on the trailer we saw. 
We did not sit through the second movie for you, listeners. I kind of wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also want to see where this goes. <laughs> okay, well, fodder for a future episode, I guess. So what was everybody's favorite argument? Hmm. Favorite. My favorite was that because fossils are found around the world, <laughs> yes. and you need water to make fossils... It is proof positive that there was a global flood. <laughs> but it's so painful to watch. Oh. <laughs> fossils are made by things dying in water. In water. Around the world. In water. Do you it get it? It just goes on for so long. <laughs> and Derek is like, I don't, I don't get it. What do, you, what, what do you mean? He's like, water everywhere? I, I don't get it. But it makes sense that he doesn't get it because the argument is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yes, water exists around the world. So do humans. We yeah. needed to live. <laughs> it's, 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 and even if the argument wasn't terrible, which it absolutely is, the way that Tim Jaffe or Jim Jaffe, whatever his name is, that guy, <laughs> the way that he just keep saying the same words, but doesn't actually, like, prod him to the understanding of the flood is just... That's the next episode. It was episode. so painful. Yeah. It's like the teacher who really wants someone to get there, but won't give any more information. Yeah. <laughs> and the class <laughs> is just stalled. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's pretty, pretty awful. My favorite was one of the signs on the wall. Oh, yeah. This is the racism one, right? I took a picture <laughs> of the racism sign. Okay, so Lauren, instruct us. It's got a picture of the Adam and Eve saying, are human races, in quotation marks, equal? And below it has a saying, a naturalistic evolution, a naturalistic evolutionist worldview. Evolutionist worldview. Is it a word? <laughs> and also a biblical creationist worldview. The naturalist evolution worldview starts with, while most evolutionists reject racism, their philosophy is inherently racist. And... The biblical creationist worldview starts with, all human beings are made in God's image and are just descendants of Adam, so there's no basis for racism from a biblical perspective. <laughs> Somebody's never heard of the Mark of Cain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I know you people have read this Bible. You quote have it they? a lot. <laughs> the people who summed it up, for sure, like, who, the people who made the museum for sure have. Mm -hmm. There's racism in there. Oh, yeah. What I do appreciate... So, yeah, like, obviously, I think Lauren, they they said during the, the show, yeah, eugenics is bad. We get it. <laughs> we understand. Yeah, we, we all agree. <laughs> there, there are many, many cases in which science or the... Misapplication of science. I, I would even say like the, like, like the, the idea of science or the, the science is used to cloak a bunch of horrible things. Like yeah. it's, it's used as an excuse. As a drunk uses a lamppost, etc. You all know that phrase. Come yes. on, yes. <laughs> but that that doesn't mean that evolution is inherently racist. I think what they're getting at is probably the idea of like an evolutionary ladder, where like certain things are more evolved than others, and so they would think that evolution is inherently racist because some like races would be more evolved than other races. But that is not remotely how evolution works. It's no. a bushy tree. It's and like it's a it's. It, Everything is equally evolved. They are stuck at a phrenologist level of yeah. evolution. Right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's something we actually yelled at the original Night of the Museum movie today, is at one point a character is telling the Ben Stiller character, don't give in to the monkey's antics, remember who's more evolved. You're both equally evolved! <laughs> <laughs> he took a different, he took a different path. Yeah, yeah, like any of us try swinging in trees by our non-existent tails. Come on. Like. Oh my god, we went to the zoo today and the gibbons were brachiating. It was amazing. Oh, oh I love the gibbons. The gibbons were so cute. Yeah, and the little baby and she oh. was the mom was wandering around with the baby in her lap, like holding oh. it with her legs. It was delightful. Yeah, brachiating. Like, yeah, brachiating while holding infant-sized thing. Amazingly, interesting technique, holding one leg up as a shelf. Mm -hmm. That's wild. Just so a, cool. yeah, just amazing the techniques to do it as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One of the most heartwarming things about this film, I think, was the fact that it it provides evidence that answers in Genesis and creation science ministries have finally, like, buried the hatchet. 
Because I remember, like, <laughs> Ken, Ken Ham yeah. used to, like, go after Kent Hovind, Eric Hovind's dad, for using really, really shitty, long-debunked arguments when he could be using Ken Ham's slightly more recently debunked arguments instead. <laughs> But, obviously, Ken Ham invited his rival's son into his own home. And isn't that lovely to see? Well, he was filming this after hours. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe he just broke in. <laughs> I, don't you even knock? That would be funny if Ken Ham saw this and was like, wait a second, <laughs> who authorized this? That's my money. That's my science man. <laughs> what is your problem? My problem? You want to know what my problem is? I'll tell you what my problem is! Anybody else have a favorite argument that they did? I think mine was honestly the David and Goliath one. It was so ridiculous. Yeah, so I've already hashed that one out. Yeah, we have evidence that these names existed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's where most of the names of the English language come from. That's like, that's some SCA level evidence, my dudes. <laughs> we can document Ham Sandwich, so... Ham Sandwich as a name is perfectly documentable. I want all the ham. Yeah. <laughs> to 16th century England. All right. Somebody was feeling something that day when they chose that. I really liked the planetarium bit, the light years explanation, non-explanation. It it wasn't an argument, and it was so funny how it just wasn't even close to an argument or explanation. And that was entirely what I expected. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's it, again, the, one of my things that I like as well is the argument that light years are not a measure of time. They're yeah. just a measure of distance. The first thing you need to understand is light years aren't a measure of time. They're a measure of distance. Yeah, because the speed of light is constant <laughs> in yeah. a vacuum. Yeah. So you know both the time, because you know the time, therefore, you know the distance. And their argument was like, they, they he threw out a bunch of, oh, well, maybe in the past light traveled at a different speed. And that's why we can see these the light from these stars that are so far away. But, of course, the real question that you should be asking is, do you want to believe in something that requires two miracles or just one miracle, basically? <laughs> it's the mathematics of miracles. They didn't invoke Occam's razor, but it was implied. But, of course, like that, just to take some time to unpack that for listeners, what they're saying is the biblical story of creation requires a miracle, explicitly. But the biblical story of creation includes a miracle maker, God. Therefore, it is internally consistent. And their argument is that the story of... The Big Bang. The Big Bang requires a miracle. And in this case, what they're saying is the inflationary period in the first fractions of a second of the existence of the current form of the universe. That requires a miracle. But scientists don't have a miracle maker... Therefore, it's not internally consistent. But that, like, that's not true. It, uh, two obvious problems uh, occur to me. Deal with the second one first. So the... <laughs> you didn't name them yet! How do we know it's the second one? Because <laughs> the second one comes first. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Newman! So, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that the problem... With this required miracle of this inflationary period, the inflationary period isn't something that scientists are demanding people believe in. They're saying, from what we can tell, it appears that the universe looked approximately like this, and then it looked approximately like this. And we don't know what happened between those two steps. There are a couple of models that we have that would be consistent with that, but we don't know exactly how it works. That doesn't mean we require a miracle, that just means we don't have a full picture of what happened, and we're trying to figure it out. That's very different from saying, a miracle occurred in step two. Now, the problem with the Genesis story is, of course, yes, you require a miracle, and you have a miracle maker, but you have no explanation for how the miracle maker got there. And that's something that's always been a sticking point for me. You can say, like, God is eternal, and therefore he doesn't require an explanation for his existence. But you could say the same thing about the universe. We don't right. know that, yeah. th that the Big Bang is the 
Genesis. <laughs> the genesis of the of the universe is the beginning of, of space-time as we understand it, but that doesn't mean that there aren't causal antecedents necessarily, I think. I don't know. But what we're not... It's possible that you, the universe has existed in some form for as long as things can exist, and that it doesn't require an explanation. Ultimately, I don't know, but I wouldn't assert my particular pet explanation. And that's the difference between you and the creation people. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and the not knowing is the fun part. That gives you an opportunity to try to, to figure learn. it out. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, yes. But yes. I like knowing stuff. Yeah, knowing having stuff having spent nice. a lot of a lot of time learning in the last several years. I am looking forward to knowing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I got bad news for you, Newman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They don't I'm not sure that they're aware of how they are well, I don't know if they're aware of how much they're projecting their their worldview. They made a really big deal during the Lucy part about how evolutionists are projecting their worldview onto Lucy and not addressing their own thing. And I but I'm I'm not sure how much they know they're doing it or how much they don't know that mm. they're doing that. I I'm not convinced either way. I and and that is frustrating. <laughs> Projection is the number one uh, but of a narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> Projection is number one tool of a narcissist. And so if you have been raised or have spent the vast majority of your life in a system that requires there being a definite, infallible answer to everything, that is the lens through which you see the world mm -hmm. and everything about it, right? And that is not addressed. We don't even know if they've examined that. Right. They can't. Because that's the... Because if they did that and properly examined it, they wouldn't be young as creationists. No, some people can examine their beliefs and go, I am more comfortable this way. I don't think young as creationists can. I think it depends on a lot of things. I think humans are incredibly good at living internally inconsistent lives yeah. in many, many yeah. ways. And holding beliefs and knowledges that are entirely conflicting for very long periods of time because it is too difficult or painful or whatever to choose one, if you will. I hate to quote Heinlein. Oh, gosh. But I will anyway. You don't have to. You do have a choice in this matter, Jem. Man is not a rational animal. He is a rationalizing animal. Mm. I have that on a bookmark. It's a good yeah. line. <laughs> I had to come out to my mom again after she came to a Rainbow Harmony concert and then asked me, why would you be in this choir if you're not LGB or T? And I said, mom, the B stands for bisexual. <laughs> she somehow rationalized that away as it's okay. She's straight. She's just in this choir. Oh, wow. Yeah. They Ooh. can do, people can do anything if they want to believe. Did she? Okay. I won't ask follow up. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Your mom is just the Fox Mulder of... <laughs> <laughs> I had the poster, like, in my mind. Yeah. I could see it. I know, I could read it in your eyes. Did you all want to talk about your long-ago trip to the ill-fated Winnipeg Creation Museum? It was much less cool than this one. But it, they... wa it was. It was like a single room in a church basement, basically. <laughs> I remember enjoying all of the different hominid skulls that they explained badly. Yeah. <laughs> A similar exhibit in the movie. This one's pointy, yeah. this one's flat-faced. <laughs> they had casts of the Paluxy footprints, I remember that, which purported to show a dinosaur and a human footprint superimposed upon each other, which mm. were provided as evidence that... You turn the corner, T-Rex! <laughs> eating a pineapple! Man and beast walked together. Yabba dabba do. <laughs> I assume Jesus was was there too, but was carrying the dinosaurs. <laughs> I got only two sets of footprints. <laughs> and I remember the thing that I remember most was getting into an extremely detailed argument. Oh boy, with the oncologist. 
He, yeah, he was an, <laughs> there was an oncologist there. I forgot he was yeah, an oncologist. That was messed up. There was an oncologist there. This is long before I had any inkling that I would go into medicine who was arguing with me and he was a young earth creationist and we were arguing about vitamin C synthesis and the fact mm-hmm. that it is like extremely like it's it's clear is humans and our ape ancestors are unable to synthesize vitamin C but many other most mammals other most mammals. other mammals are able to do it mm-hmm. and you can actually see if you look at the evolutionary tree, if you look at the various clades involved, and I won't get into a lot of details here, but listeners are, I'm sure there's a, there's an excellent Wikipedia article on it by now. You can actually see where the mutation occurred in our evolutionary line that sort of broke our body's ability to synthesize vitamin C. And we actually, if I recall correctly, we still have a broken version of that gene in our genome, mm-hmm. it's just non-functional, so we yeah. can't synthesize vitamin C. But at the time that occurred, we had such wide access to fruit in our it ancestors' diet. It was not required. Well, yeah. plants, mm-hmm. like, like no all kinds effects. of, of plants. Exactly. Yeah. We, there was no downside to not being able to do it anymore. So Unf- we just exactly kept on with it. how evolution works. Unfortunately, yeah. we then invented the British Navy, and things, <laughs> things went downhill from there. We sure did. <laughs> For a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, things didn't go downhill quickly enough for... <laughs> for the British. <laughs> the sun never sets, except your wounds open back up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah good times. Anyway. I think about that oncologist way too much. Oh, yeah? Just the fact that young Earth oncologists exist in Winnipeg. Winnipeg, Yes, that seems... Like, this was more than a decade ago now, I think. Yeah, because we... I think we talked about that on an early episode of the podcast, and this podcast has been going for more than 10 years. We're almost at 200 episodes. I wonder... Yeah, well, we slowed down. (laughs) (laughs) We do have other lives and employment. (laughs) I I wonder if I've run into him again. Yeah. And just passed like ships in the night. Hope not. Doesn't matter. Don't get lost in that thought. Anyway. I think we've beat the Creation Museum into, into the dust. Any final thoughts on it? As I've taken over hosting, apparently. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> Honestly, I I enjoyed the opportunity to see the inside of it without having to pay a dime. Exactly. And I really liked that. Yeah, it was actually not <laughs> terrible as a interesting way to see what the other side is saying. Yeah, yeah. And, and I kind of want to go see the ARC one for the same reason. Yeah. I just want to see the exhibits without having to give them money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, if I could if I could go without giving them any money, I would probably go. Go see what it's all about and, and see that. And it looks interesting in air quotes interesting. <laughs> but, I, yeah, that I, I appreciated that glimpse to the other side, if you will. Yeah. Mm. If you were to go, you would have to go with a anthropology mindset of... This is how they're interpreting their world. Right. It was, in fact, 13 years ago to the week that we visited the Creation Museum. <laughs> wow. wow. November 13th, 2010. <laughs> Goodness. 2010. Yeah. <sighs> All right, bring it back, Newman. <laughs> <laughs> so if listeners want to check out this film... <laughs> It is available for free on YouTube. We will link to it in the show notes, I'm sure. Feel free to check it out. Give it a thumbs up, like, and subscribe. (laughs) And let us know how the sequel goes. (laughs) Oh no, we're going to watch that. (laughs) I really want to see inside this Ark Encounter. I just don't want to give them any money. So with that, shall we segue on to something nice? Several people motioning to the next person. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> My spice took me to the zoo today, and we were able to do that because back in the spring we got memberships, and since then we have gotten to just randomly go to the zoo and the leaf a few times, and it has been super worth it, and I love having a membership to the zoo and getting to go visit the animals because we have a random afternoon that we're not doing anything. Yeah, this it was, was great. This was our probably last one this year that we're going to have not booked, so it was nice to 
Still a bit warm. Yeah, not booked and warm enough to go walking outside. Yeah. Oh, that sounds lovely. Beautiful day for it. Mm-hmm. And the zoo is actually really nice in the in the colder months, like right. when it's not frigid outside yet. But it's just mm-hmm. it's not busy because they keep the paths clear. They <laughs> so they you do can walk around. Yeah, the, the paths are clear. It's, it's generally and, and they're they're well they're well kept generally. But it's not busy. And then a lot of our colder weather animals are way more comfortable. So like I love seeing the polar bears and the muskox. Ah, bears! They're so cute. I love seeing them like enjoying a climate that they are built for. (laughs) And and that's nice. The bears and the foxes and the snowy owls are just having a good time. Yeah. Ashlyn, what did you get to see at the zoo that you were excited to see? The fox? The bear? Oh, (laughs) we went and visited Stellar Sea Eagle. Oh, yeah. They made scary noises. We thought they were the monkeys. It was was actually the bird going, rah, 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 rah. Like, it was... It was quite a noise. And they, they look like they could, like, if they didn't have a top over their cage, they would absolutely come and eat children. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, yeah. They're enormous. They're very, like, I love the look of them. They're quite <laughs> beautiful birds. I actually wanted to give an update on last month's segment. Right after we recorded it, I learned that the association that oversees the naming of birds is renaming all birds named after people. Oh, Oh, really? Yeah. So there was like one guy that they were like, oh, we should rename the birds that are named after this guy because he was a horrible racist. And then they're like, well, where do we draw the line with (laughs) birds named after horrible racists? (laughs) (laughs) Just renaming all of them. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the plant people are looking at that and going, "Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-oh. Yep. That's cool. So it may not be Stellar's for that yeah, much longer. Yeah, it's going to be named after the location or some trait of the bird instead. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. One of the things that they told us in early on in our medical education is, you're going to be asked a lot about Murphy's sign or the Dix Hallpike maneuver. And we're not going to teach you a lot of those names because they're hard to remember and non-descriptive. So we will tell you the new name of the maneuver, and your preceptors will make fun of you for not knowing the the old man name <laughs> for it, but this is probably going to be better in the long run. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad. But of course, I know Murphy's sign and the Dixie. You, know, you learn it anyway in yeah. clerkship. Yeah. As long as you can link the two together in your mind. It's like knowing both the generic and the brand name of medications. Yeah, yeah it's another thing that I get made fun of for. <laughs> What do you mean, diphenhydramine? (laughs) Something nice. My something nice (laughs) is that I finally got around to playing Mist to completion. Oh, wow. Congrats. That's been a long time. I know. That game was one that I played in the, like, probably mid to late 90s that came out in like 90 what 93 95 something like that i don't remember something like that 96 it was impressive for its time and it was actually one of the games that got me interested in programming my friend greg and i spent a bunch of time like making sort of the beginnings of a mista like and various other noodling around with programming and like in high school, and I eventually went into software development as a result. I ran into Greg's father, who is a vascular surgeon, relatively recently, and he was surprised to see me in a different career path. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun, full-circle moment. Anyway... It's just different programming. Yeah. yeah, but I never actually... Like, I enjoyed Mist. It was super cool. But I never actually got that far in it, because it required, like time and patience, and also a computer that would run it, and at various points I didn't really have access to that. But I eventually, I always wanted to get around to it, and I really enjoyed it! It's fun little little puzzles and figuring out weird machines, and there are lots of versions that are available. There's like a remastered, like, fully walkable 3D version that some people have denigrated that's available on Steam right now, but Whatever version you you play, it's fun. I've probably bought it three or four times, so <laughs> it, was, it was nice to actually get around to beating it. It just requires you know, 
some note taking. It does actually, yeah. The 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 one sequence that I remember like hearing chilling things about was the what do they call it? Like it's not a train, but it's like a minecart like track sequence. And I'm just like, I'm just gonna pull out a piece of paper. And I'm like, oh, there there are like eight directions in this. I know which way I'm facing. It's fine. I just mapped it out and no problem. Yeah, it just takes a little bit of note taking. But yeah, it's fun. I also finally then got around to beating Return of the Oberdin, which I started playing a long time ago. It was also lovely. I haven't heard of that one. It is by the fellow who made Papers, Please, which doesn't help you if you haven't heard of Papers, Please. But the the premise for this game, it's a like a one-bit visual game, so it's just black and white. But it's a 3D walk-around 3D space, and you're an, an insurance adjuster. Ba- basically a... Wait, a- wait, it gets better. <laughs> Don't write it off yet. <laughs> basically, like, it is set in late 19th century England, and a ship that was long missing has come into port, and it's totally empty. And the company that owns the ship is making a claim <laughs> for this derelict, and you are sent there to figure out what happened mm. and to adjudicate that claim. And you also happen to have a magic pocket watch where if you find a dead body, it will show you this the a, a frozen vignette, like diorama that you can walk around in of the moment of that person's death. Wow. But it's just in this like one bit black and white, stark black and white, but 3D walkable world. And then you hear like a few like voices like around the time. And then you just see this flashbulb image of this person dying. And you walk around the space and you try to figure out your goal is to figure out of the like I think sixty people on yeah. the boat who every single person is and how they died That's like intense. who killed them and or what yeah. happened to them or whatever just based on this like flashbulb scene and a few scattered bits of like dialogue or sounds that you hear at that time it is really cool really fun and it goes places. Mm-hmm. No Mist, though. <laughs> and like I would say, it's probably like a slightly better game than Mist. Mist has been on my to do list for a long time. You didn't want to miss it. Oh, sorry, I was trying to put I, that in the. I past nearly tense. missed it. You nearly missed it. Yeah, yeah. And Return of the Oberdain is available on all platforms. It's on Switch. If you want to check it out. Good to know. I was trying to make a Riven joke too, Laura, but that's the sequel to Mist. <laughs> I've started it again. I, I actually, I started Riven, like I bought, I've got, I've got, I think the first four, it was the whole collection at the time on like CD when they did, I think, 10 year anniversary release mm-hmm. or something or. Anyway, this is not the gem show. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's getting late and we have more people to do stuff. I'm sorry, man. Who's up? My something nice was spending some time with Jem earlier on Friday. We got to go out for the day and have a nice evening together. And that was nice because he's been away. So lovely. Yeah. My something nice would be recently we've been playing some more of the latest collection of the Jackbox games, which is quite fun. One of them includes a time <laughs> date sort of game where you they give you a thing and you have to say what year this happened in and the, oh fun and the closest year the, the, the year it is minus where you are is your points yeah it's golf rules so small low yeah numbers. okay nice oh yeah. fun so you can get a score of zero if you get every answer right and they, there's a few mini games to it that reduce your games by percentage uh, to get you closer to that number and I enjoy trying with our group to get as close as possible to second place. <laughs> because nobody can get anywhere near loan score. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so if our goal is second. It's good to be realistic, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I had a score of 2.5 once. <laughs> My God. It was incredible. Yeah. And well, it's usually under 10. Yeah, the, the wow. Last, the last mini game takes 45% off your score. If you uh, get if everything you get, very if you, right. <laughs> if you are most right in the last question. When I was in Churchill, one of the things that the whole town basically comes out to is they have a pub quiz. And we did okay. I was I was playing on the pharmacist team. But every night, I was like, 
damn, I wish Lauren was here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we would have crushed yeah. it. I would yeah. like to go to Churchill. We're looking forward to going back to trivia in the new year, perhaps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be fun. Lauren, did you do your something nice? No, my, mine is final. <laughs> well, not final. <laughs> oh, I will never have something nice again. <laughs> mine is the last one of our night. Yesterday, I listened to and finished the new Sarah Hollowell book, What Stalks Among Us. She writes, this is her second book. She also wrote A Dark and Starless Forest. And it's mostly YA horror fantasy. And it's this one was really good. It's even more complex than the than her first book, and I look forward to reading more of her stuff in the future. Lovely. Nice. I think reading, I think Dark and Starless Forest was also with something nice a couple of years ago when it came out. So. <laughs> Lovely. Well, thanks for joining me tonight, everybody. That was a fun yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. It was fun indeed. Stay warm out there, everybody. Our movie reviews are always a little unhinged when yeah. we record them. It's great. <laughs> it's a movie. It's the point. The movie was a little unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stay warm, stay happy. We don't usually watch movies that we recommend people go watch after we have watched them. <laughs> no. no, we watch them so they don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. This mm-hmm. one? Yeah, maybe. It's worth a half an hour. If it was any longer, that's true. That would be yeah. a problem. And skip but... the sermon at the end. We didn't even talk about that, but it was very weird and judgy. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it was yeah. the way the wages of sin is death, and we all deserve death. But and Jesus this was one nice. Guy I knew who died would want you to be saved. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it might not hurt to also just skim past the opening sermon as well. <laughs> Let's just start with but the credits. But overall, not the yeah. worst movie we've watched. <laughs> nice sports car. Yes. Yes. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. night. Happy holidays and whatever you celebrate. Show notes and references for all of our episodes are available at lueepodcast.com, where you can also find links to donate or get in touch. If you'd like to support the show, the best way to do that is with a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you found us, or by sharing this episode with a friend. You're listening to Life, the Universe, and Everything Else. Today on the show, or should I say tonight at the sh- on the- Fuck. <laughs> 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 so close. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>